We were seven kids in our family, five boys and two girls. And the five boys shared a fairly small bedroom, but we got by, managed it, we thought it was huge at the time. And all of us were altar servers. So it was kind of inevitable that probably two of us would be serving at the same time. And we weren't nearly as well behaved as these altar servers here. It was inevitable we would get up to some mischief, talking, laughing, pinching the other person, doing something to make them look goofy or something. But it was quite amazing if my mother was in the congregation. She had an incredibly distinct way of clearing her throat. And it would go, <clears throat> something like that. You know, immediately she was there. And you knew immediately you were in trouble. So it's quite amazing that, that she manifested her presence to us by clearing her throat, and we knew she was present. The Gospel of today and the Gospels of Easter, about the appearance of Jesus, they're nearly more about where Jesus is not found than where he is found. Look at one of the most beautiful ones, Mary Magdalene, a wonderful woman, uh, called the Disciple to the Disciples. Unfortunately, some pope, pope discredited her reputation in the Middle Ages. And she's, she's obviously a wonderful woman because she's the first person to witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, a new creation. And she's there in the garden, interesting, Garden of Eden, the garden where new birth is happening, new life. And Jesus is there. And she turns to the gardener and says, tell me where you have laid him so that I may cling to him, hold on to him. And this is where Jesus, she has to turn twice. That you're not turned away from trying to find God in a person, a place or thing, something tangible. She wanted something to hold on to. You could nearly say it's a false God like the Israelites did in the desert, they prepared a golden calf. That temptation is to hold on to something that will be God for us. So it was Jesus, she had to turn once and she had to turn twice. And the second turning was Jesus said, go to my disciples, to my community, gather in my name, go tell them to go to Galilee and they will find me there. And that is when he addresses Mary and she knew that God is that Jesus is risen, that he's present, but he's present in a very different way. John, the beloved disciple, went to the tomb, and it was empty, and there was a cloth rolled up and another one by its side, the face fell. Once again, when, when um, Moses went up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, after meeting God, he came down, and his face was shining so brightly that the people were blinded, he had to put on a face veil. And at the resurrection of Jesus, the face veil is put aside. So there is a simultaneous presence of Jesus as risen Lord. He's with God and he's with his people. And the community of the disciples that are gathered around um, in the upper room, they're filled with fear. 
And Jesus, uh, he's not held out by barriers, by walls. He's a presence that is emerging from within them, a presence of peace in the midst of fear. St. Ignatius of Loyola would call it a presence of consolation. That is a gift from God. And it is interesting that Thomas, who doubted and wasn't there, it was through his relationship with the other disciples that he was able to come to faith and was able to say, my Lord and my God. It was through the presence gathered in the name of Jesus, my Lord and my God, he was able to encounter the risen Lord in his life. Jesus gives peace twice. And the peace is the code word for restoring the relationship. Restoring the relationship with Jesus, who is the bridge between God and humanity, and humanity and God. And he gives us a second time, is that the mission of his disciples are to be restorers of the relationship that God has with all people. And that is our mission in life. Today we have another story about where Jesus is not found. The disciples, some would say, are deserting ship. They're abandoning ship. They're walking away from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And some scholars would say Emmaus was the center of Roman power. They're going back to the old way. They've abandoned their hopes and their dreams. And as they walk, they are despondent and depressed and negative. And it is amazing how Jesus interrupts that narrative, that nar narrative that leads nowhere. And then he engages with them. And it's a beautiful story. Um, as they walk along, uh, the essence of the story is they are not remembering Jesus correctly. They're remembering him as a has-been. First of all, we thought he would be the one to redeem Israel. Wrong. Jesus is going to use the people of Israel to reach out to everybody. It wasn't just about Israel. That he was suffered and died, that he was a victim, and that he's dead. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Everything they're talking about is wrong. And this is what Jesus wants to correct. But as he speaks to them and is evangelizing them, their hearts burn within them, which is a very beautiful thing when, when, when the Lord is close to you, especially in prayer. Your heart will burn within you and you will know what it is when it happens to you. So it's also once again a gift of consolation. And as that happens, they invite him to come inside. And then, then, then Jesus is reminding them where you will find him. And there he celebrates the Eucharist. And it's, 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 there's so much value in this and so much, so much that we can, 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 if we adapt it, can change our lives completely. Jesus takes, he identifies himself with the bread. He takes the bread and he gives thanks and he shares it. Jesus knew that his life was a gift from God. He took the bread, he gave thanks, and he shared it. He fed other people. 
Now, that is a model that all of us are called to follow. We are called, irrespective of your opinion of yourself, what we believe is every human being is a gift from God. And we are called to take ourselves and to give thanks for it and to feed other people. That is what each one of us are called to do. And this is what we celebrate at the Eucharist, where I have to remember, this is the way Jesus Christ chose to reveal himself, his risen presence, his risen presence, not his dead presence, not a presence that's in the past, his presence actually here and now. When two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. When you take the bread in Jesus' name, this is my body, and you give thanks, and you give it so that others will be fed. He says, that is how I manifest my presence among you, a presence that is alive and active. And it's what he wants us to do as well, because from the beginning of time, God chose to reveal himself to the world through us. That's another, the gift, with the gift comes a task. God has chosen to reveal himself to the world through us. And we do that by emulating what Jesus did in the Eucharist, to take ourselves and to realize that we are a gift from God in this time and in this place. And we are to give ourselves to other people so that they will know that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. So what we have to be very careful of is not to, give, not to get sidetracked by looking for where Jesus is not and to look to where Jesus is. And we will, we will know where Jesus is if we have peace in our lives and if we are bringers and givers of peace to other people as well. So the Holy Spirit and the Lord brings people together, reconciles, brings peace, and invites people to be, to be shares of that people, of that peace with everyone we meet.